This is episode number 251 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Hey there, welcome to Fearless Presentations. I'm Doug Stannard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and my goal is to help you become a fearless and confident speaker and presenter. This week, I'm going to start a two-part series on public speaking fear. And in most of our episodes, we either cover ways to reduce nervousness or ways to present more effectively so that the nervousness that you feel is less distracting. In, in these two episodes, though, I'm going to cover what this nervousness is, what this public speaking fear is, where it comes from, and why most training and coaching it can actually backfire on you and, and cause more nervousness. We'll also show you how to reduce this fear once and for all. So in fact, in, in this particular episode, I'm going to show you how public speaking fear is actually normal in a lot of cases. And if you aren't feeling it, you may not be challenging yourself to grow. So if you've ever felt public speaking fear or stage fright or any other type of speech anxiety, then listen closely to cover ways to just eliminate this fear once and for all. The episode is brought to you by fearlesspresentations.com. So if you're looking for a faster way to reduce public speaking fear or become a more persuasive speaker, we've got two-day public speaking classes coming up in cities like Las Vegas, Chicago, Kansas City, Dallas, Columbus, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Nashville, Sacramento, San Diego, Detroit, Minneapolis, Miami, Washington, D.C., Boston, and Salt Lake City. By the way, our full schedule of classes is on our website at fearlesspresentations.com. So if you want to attend any of the classes that I just mentioned, make sure to go to the website and save a seat in the class because once those seats are gone, you have to wait a couple of months for another one to kind of pop up. Anyway, all right, so let's get on with today's episode. So in this session, I'm going to talk a lot about the fear of public speaking, what it is, where it comes from, how you can kind of get rid of it. And, um, and just so you know, the, the, since, since the symptoms of this type of fear are so common, so many people have this, a lot of times presenters will actually have questions about, uh, about the, the fear. You know, why do I have this? Where did it come from? How do I, how, do, how the heck do I get rid of it? That kind of stuff, right? So most people feel like they're the only ones who are experiencing, you know, the butterflies in the stomach when you stand up to speak or, or the, the shaky voice or the shaky hands. However, just about every speaker has some type of nervousness when they present in, in front of a group, you know, um, for instance, if, if the person um, has had a, a bad experience in a speech at some time, then even if that was a long time ago, by the way, he or she may still feel a lot of, of, of that nervous energy. And, and if the speech is, is in front of a larger audience and there's a bigger risk of, of failure, then that person may experience a, a full blown kind of panic attack. We can, we, we feel those things are real. They, they happen. So as a result, a lot of people who feel just even just a little bit of stage fright will a lot of times avoid public speaking situations altogether. And, and that actually intensifies 
that nervousness. So the things, a lot of times the things that we're doing to try to reduce the nervousness actually makes the anxiety get larger. So um, the good news is though, is that as far as anxiety goes, <laughs> this one is actually pretty easy to conquer. There's a simple step-by-step process that you can go through. And once you go through this process, your confidence is going gonna, is gonna to soar. So let's kind of start off by talking about what it is and where it comes from. What, what is this fear, this public speaking fear? And, and how did I get it? <laughs> and then we'll talk about how to get rid of it. So anytime you try something for the first time, you're going to feel nervous or you're going to feel some type of anxiety, even just a little bit about that thing. So if you kind of remember back to um, when you're a little kid and you got on a bicycle for the first time, or if you're an adult and you haven't ridden a bike for a while and you get back on it, you know, that, that there's a little bit of nervousness there, right? Am I going to make a fool out of myself? Am I going to fall over and scrape up my knees and that kind of thing? Or, or maybe the first time when you were a teenager, when you tried to drive on the freeway, right? I mean, those are, those are situations where, we're going to feel nervous because we're doing that thing for the first time, or we're doing it for the first time in a long time. So the reason right, why reasons why we tend to kind of rem- remember situations like that, like riding a bike or, or driving a car for the first time is that in, in those situations, we feel a, an immense threat to our safety, right? Or at least our, um, our, our ego, right? But to a lesser extent, you know, a lot of times we're going to feel nervous about anything that we try for the first time. Um, I'll give you a, a good example. Like for instance, that nervousness can kind of pop up even in things that don't really have a lot of, of um, security involved. Like for instance, when I first, when I got my first iPhone, you know, the Apple iPhone, and I went to the app store the first time and I kind of noticed that there, I mean, all of these apps were like, it says free, there's no charge for it. But I can remember how nervous I was the very first time that I hit that free app button. I was scared that, you know, I was going to end up getting some kind of recurring charge on my phone that I was never going to be able to get rid of, you know, because it was something that that was new. Now, um, before this, you know, I, I felt, I felt sometimes, you know, I, even before that instance, I, at times I might've felt kind of nervous when I entered a, a credit card uh, on a website for the first time, you know, those, those are things that when we kind of do them for the first time, then some, some nervousness is going to be normal and it's, and we're, and it's going to happen anytime we try something new, but, but the, the amount of nervousness that you will tend to feel will depend a lot on how safe you feel doing that thing. The more imminent the threat to your safety, the more nerve wracking that activity will, will be because your, your fight or flight mechanism is, is going to kick in. You know, for instance, you know, my heartbeat increased really, really, really dramatically the first time that I went bungee jumping. Actually, the only time I went bungee jumping, I'm never going to do that again, right? Um, but it, it, it increased a lot more in that situation than it did the first time I bought a book on Amazon. I was still nervous the first time I bought a book on, on Amazon, but I was I, my heart didn't start beating fast or anything like that. Um, I, um, but when I when I did the bungee jumping thing, though, I had to kind of push a few more deep breaths before managing to 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 uh, you know take that leap and jump off the platform. However, you know that was not the case with my first online purchase. So 
just kind of keep that in mind. You know, when you're in a situation that, you know, obviously an online purchase, somebody could steal your credit card or, or something like that, but I don't really have a fear of death in that. So just keep that in mind that a lot of times the amount of fear that we will feel, feel the amount of nervousness that we're going to feel is going to really depend on the amount of risk that we're assessing. We're going to talk about that in, in just a moment. So another thing that's really important to understand about public speaking fear is that it's normal and it's actually a part of the growth process. It should actually be there, at least in the beginning. So another thing that is really important about public speaking fear is that the fear of public speaking is actually really normal and it's actually a part of the growth process. Um, you know, for instance, public speaking, it's a, it's a skill just like any other in that the first time that you do it, you're going to feel nervous. We already talked about that. The threat of failure, though, is felt fairly imminent because we're often speaking in front of our peers. You know, of course, the, the esteem from our peers is very important to us. We want people to like us and trust us. So if we do well, then our confidence is going to grow. If we have a challenge, our stage fright is going to grow. So often this fear is actually created sometimes as early, you know, in, in elementary school and high school, especially happens a lot in college. Um, the reason why is because, you know, I've, I've, I've had, I've had hundreds of people go through my, my public speaking classes over the years and tell me that they've always had nervousness. And, and after asking them a few questions, um, the, the, a lot of times they'll kind of tell me stories about, you know, the time that they were in first grade when they had to do a singing recital solo and the and the person's voice cracked or when they were standing up in front of a class doing a, a math problem in the fourth grade and and choked or something like that. The most common story, though, um, that that I hear that is that typically typically becomes the catalyst of that that fear, the starting point of the fear is when they have to get up and give a book report in high school. Uh, you know, if you think about it, I mean, the, the high school students are really not the most non-judgmental. A lot of times they're very judgmental, they're very critical. And, and so as a result, when we have to stand up in front of a group like that, it becomes a little bit more challenging. And then because of these early situations, no matter when that first instance occurred, when we stand up in front of a, an audience and we speak, often, even if we do okay, we may still consider it to be a failure. In our head, it might be that we didn't do as well as what we wanted ourselves to be to, to do. So the more this happens, the more nervousness will, will actually come from future speeches as well. So many times we, we might actually be performing well in, in maybe a business speech or, or at an office, but if we just think that we did poorly, then that anxiety is still going to grow. So, um, and by the way, if, you're, if your stage fright doesn't reduce over time, then you probably really need to change what you're doing. So that in the first, the first couple of times that you speak in front of a group, yeah, you're probably going to be nervous. Nervous. It, it should be kind of normal. But the more that you do it, the, the more that that nervousness should, should start to reduce. And if that is not happening, that means something has broken the cycle and you probably need to do something different. And, and so let me kind of give you some advice on, on what to do in that situation. So as I mentioned before, you know, the nervousness is normal when you begin to speech, speak in front of a group. However, um, if that remains over time or if your nervousness actually gets worse, then um, you, you really want to try changing what you're doing. For instance, um, if, if taking something away from go another example away from public speaking, right? If you if you've been driving for years, right? If you've been driving for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 
and you still break into a cold sweat every time that you, you get on the freeway, that means that something most likely has interrupted your confidence building process. And, and this is where folks will kind of interrupt me and say, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> no one can drive for 15 years and not gain confidence. That's, that's absurd, right? Yeah, over time, driving becomes second nature. Well, only if that new driver continues to practice and grow. So if he or she avoids driving and only drives once in a while, and when he or she does drive, they don't get on the freeway because they're, they're nervous, then, um, then that fear is going to remain, right? And, and in fact, that fear can even grow worse and, or even more intense over time. And the same thing happens to, to speakers. So instead of practicing, what will happen a lot of times is they'll often avoid opportunities. They've got the opportunity to get up and speak and just avoid it. And in other cases, they'll tend to use crutches to make them feel more confident or make them feel more comfortable when they're in front of a group. And when you rely on the crutch, sometimes that's going to, sometimes the crutches, the things that we're trying to do to help us reduce nervousness will actually increase the, the, the nervousness and, and uh, decrease the confidence. So um, with all that being said, um, these are some things that you can do to reduce nervousness. The, 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 the way that most people prepare for a speech actually adds to the nervousness versus reducing it. Um, and I'll give you a few common things uh, to, that, that often occur that people do to try to fix nervousness or reduce nervousness that actually cause it. So like, for instance, one of the first things that people will start to do when they're preparing a presentation is they kind of start by designing their PowerPoint slideshow or their visual aids first. Um, the PowerPoint slides are their visual aids for the audience. They aren't cheat notes <laughs> to help you remember what you're what you're going to say. So when a presenter starts by creating the, the PowerPoint deck, then he or she will likely create a, 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 a delivery method where they they speak and then click and then speak and then click and then speak and then click. And <laughs> that type of presentation is going to be pretty boring. And so basically the, the presenter is, is using the slides as almost like a cue card. It's not, they're not really designed in that, in that instance to help the audience. They're more of a, of a, of a crutch for the, the presenter. And, and by the way, once that the, the speech starts to go poorly, once you, you begin to deliver that way and the disconnect occurs with the audience, then your nervousness is actually going to grow even more. So just preparing that way, that, that simple thing that people do to try to reduce nervousness actually ends up intensifying the nervousness and it can be a big challenge. Um, like for instance, in our, in our classes, when, when folks come to us for help in this, we basically um, get them to prepare what they want to say first, design their presentation, to organize your, your speech first. And then at the end of the class, then we help them design visual aids. And that, that, that it's a, it's, that's a much better way to do it. It's an easier way to do it, by the way. It takes a whole lot less time and you're going to be much more comfortable delivering your presentation if you kind of do it that way. Um, the second thing that is really important that, that folks try to do to reduce nervousness is they try to memorize the entire speech. For some reason, this is kind of what people are taught when they're in high school, especially in colleges, is that you have to write your presentation word for word and then try to memorize this thing. But when a presenter tries to memorize a speech word for word and then rehearse the timings, then a number of interesting things will occur that actually cause the nervousness to increase. Like if you get to a point where you forget part of the speech, <laughs> then basically you're, you're already nervous and your nervousness is going to shoot through the roof. Um, another thing that will tend to happen when you 
try to memorize a speech is that you don't want to forget anything. So we tend to speak more quickly and, and we kind of run through um, the, the material in, in, in a really, really fast pace. Or sometimes, you know, um, we kind of know that we're doing that. So we purposefully try to slow down our, 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 um, our speech so that we, you know, it's, so that we're getting the right time frame down, that kind of thing. Not, not to mention, just the time and the effort that it takes to memorize a speech. I mean, all those things are kind of negative, but the frustration will often set in and the confidence of the presenter can really be harmed when any of those negative things happen from memorizing a speech. Um, so like, like for instance, in our, and in, in when we're coaching somebody, when I'm coaching somebody in my class, um, I, I like to show the presenters a really simple step-by-step process to help them design a speech in an outline format. It makes it a little bit more spontaneous, easier to adjust the timing, by the way. Um, if the requested length of the speech changes at the last minute, then people using the techniques that we show them how to do will actually help them hit the time frame exactly on the fly, which most professional speakers can't do that. So it's a, it's a really cool technique. So you know, basically the, the way that we're able to get people to do that though, is we get them away from that memorized speech technique because it doesn't really really work well anyway. Um, the third one is the third, mis third mistake anyway that people make is over rehearsing. So um, one of the things that I suggest that, that presenters do is rehearse a, a really well-designed speech. Once you get a really good speech design, rehearse it once, maybe twice, and then get up and deliver the presentation. If you over rehearse, you're going to cause um, a, um, it, it's going to cause you to kind of slip into that that memorizing the speech pitfall that I was talking about a few minutes ago. So it, it makes it to where you, you're going to say something. Well, I, you, you practice five or six times and maybe the fourth time you say it just perfectly. You're like, okay, I'm going to try to say it that way again. And so now you kind of slip back into the memorized speech. If you, again, if you forget where you're at or something like that, it makes it more challenging. So just kind of keep in mind that, that it typically, if you practice once or twice, that, that twice, the, um, the energy level that you have is going to remain high. It's still going to be fun and interesting for you. And if it's fun and interesting for you, there's a good chance it's going to be more fun and interesting for the people that are in your audience as well. The next mistake that people make is they tend to rely too heavily on their notes. Um, a lot of times presenters will often feel more comfortable, at least initially, if they have the crutch of prepared notes in front of them. They want to have the notes kind of sitting up so that they can kind of look at them. However, um, if you keep in mind that public speaking is communication between the speaker and the audience. It's as if you were speaking to somebody one-on-one, -on -one, there's just more people that you're speaking to. So when the speaker's attention is constantly being diverted to the notes that's sitting in front of you, then that connection, that, that rapport that you have with the audience is broken. The person standing up in front of the group will lose eye contact. And when, when basically when he or she kind of looks down to at the notes, and, and then the audience reaction will be a little bit more sedate as well, because when they kind of look up, now all of a sudden they're making eye contact with their audience for the first time and could be 10, 15, 20 seconds or something like that. And, and if the first person that they see is kind of zoned out or something, and it could happen very easily if you're kind of reading from your notes or referring to your notes, then all of a sudden now we're like, oh my God, something's not working and the panic can set in. So, so it just makes the speaker more nervous in that 
type of situation. So basically that nervousness will begin to show in your body language as well. And when that happens, the whole process is, is kind of a negative reinforcing cycle. Basically, by starting with something that you think is going to reduce nervousness, it causes more nervousness to occur. And then you continue to do that thing. And then more nervousness occurs. And then you do, do it more. And then more nervousness occurs, right? So it creates a negative reinforcing cycle that can be really char ch challenging to overcome. Um, now, the last one that I'm going to talk about, the big mistake, this is one that, that you wouldn't really think of. It's, it's basically when you listen to well-intentioned coworkers or friends, right? These are people that they're trying to make you feel more comfortable. They're trying to help you. But when you feel uncomfortable and you turn to one of these friends or coworkers for coaching, the, the big challenge with this is that most of the people that that you're you're going to be talking to or that you're going to be asking advice from are, are they're they're very quick to pick up on mistakes but not so quick to pick up on successes so if you remember how earlier i talked about how success leads to confidence and then failures lead to nervousness the more successes that you can string together the the more confident you're going to be the more perceived failures, even if you did really well, but if you don't think you did well, the more of those things that you string together, the, the more nervousness that you're going to feel. Well, our friends and coworkers will often tell us about the mistakes, you know, so that we can correct them. They're trying to be nice. They're trying to be helpful. So, oh yeah, you said, um, 15 times or whatever it is, right? So they'll, they'll kind of point out something that you did that wasn't ideal. Even if you did well, by the way, could they feel like it's their duty if you did really well to kind of point out something that you can improve on, because that's why you asked them. Otherwise you wouldn't have asked them to, to listen to you. Right. So basically what ends up is, is we end up the, the um, this, this session, this practice session with a series of perceived failures. Right. So even if they only mention one or two or three, then we just got up to speak. And then at the end of speaking, instead of feeling really good about what we did, we're now been, we've now been hit with at least a couple of, areas of improvement or, or failures. And so the more of those failures that you string together in a row, the more nervous that you're, you're going to be. So the next time that we, that we stand up to speak, if, if you, if, if we catch ourselves doing some of those things that our, our, our well-intended coworker told us about, then all of a sudden that, that panic or that nervousness will actually kick, kick in. So uh, for instance, a, a, re a really good public speaking coach, they're trained to help the presenter do a really good job the first time and then build on the success, right? So like, for instance, when we, when we coach people, we don't, we don't give them a technique and then have them get up and fail and then tell them how, how to improve it. What we do is we're coaching them to make sure that they do right. They do it right the first time. When they do it right the first time, then we tell them, hey, good, you did it perfectly. That's exactly right. We know that they did it perfectly because we coached them too, right? We helped them get there. We didn't just leave them to their own um, the, the, their own devices in order to, to, in, in, to create that success. Basically, we, we helped make it happen. So now we were now once they had that success, we kind of show them, hey, look, look, this is what you just did. And, and that was a pretty good success. Now let's try something new and then teach them how to do something else. And that technique works, it works much faster and it's way more comfortable than the wait until somebody fails and then tell them how they failed technique, which doesn't work really well. So basically, if you're if you're doing any of those five things then really all the relaxation relaxation techniques in the world, they're, they're not going to help. And in fact, 
you know, you can do a lot of deep breathing when you feel this anxiety, but it, 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 if that's the case, it's going to be counterproductive if you're shortness of breath, you know, if you have a shortness of breath. So the great thing is that just by changing a few things that you do to prepare, you can actually reduce many of the fears of public speaking. So basically what we're going to cover in the next session is I'm going to cover a, a simple step-by-step -step process that you can use to help you reduce this nervousness. Do these things, your nervousness will go away. Very simple. Like I said, I'm going to pull back the curtain next week and kind of show you what we're doing and, and actually show you how to, how to do this. So, so we'll see you next week on the Fearless Presentations podcast. Thanks, y'all. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.